Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. Open our eyes and our ears to the things you want to teach us today. Father, we want to be more like you each day and each week, each year, Father, as we read your word. Transform us. We thank you for your promises that you made, that you fulfill your word, and we have hope in what you have said. We thank you, Father, for sharing the things today. May they read rejuvenate us. May we rejoice in the things that we see today. In your son, Yahushua's name, we give thanks. Amen. So, we're going to, children, youth, young at heart, we're going to talk about Jeremiah's prophecy of Elohim fulfilling his promise to Abraham's seed. We're going to do a, we're pretty much all of Jeremiah 30 and 31 today. Uh, we're going to just kind of use 30 as a backdrop to give us a little context and history, but we're really going to dig into 31. Uh, as I read Jeremiah 30 and 31 uh, this week, I just couldn't get out of it. I, I'm reading it in the Septuagint, in the, in the Greek, and I'm just blown away and stunned at the things that I see. And so I, just, I'm just be, I was being drawn, I was being just brought in as I, my heart just leaped and I wept at the, at the things that I had seen being said. And so we have a, just a couple of verses in the New Testament portion, one verse in the Torah portion, the rest of it's going to be there. And uh, when we get to, well, okay, so we're going to start here uh, in the context of Jeremiah 30. So this is all the Septuagint, uh, with the exception of a couple verses, will be uh, the ISR. So here we go, Jeremiah 30, verse 1. The word that came, and just so you know, uh, in the Septuagint, I can't change the words, so obviously Lord is still there and God is still there. I will change them as I read them with verbally, but uh, it is what it is. So the word that came to Jeremiah from Yahuwah to say, Thus did Yahweh, the Elohim of Israel, say, Write in a book all the words that I give you as oracles, because behold, days are coming, says Yahweh, that I will bring back the exile of my people, Israel and Judah, says Yahweh, and I will bring them back to the land that I gave their fathers, and they shall have dominion over it. These are the words that Yahuwah spoke with reference to Israel and Judah. Thus did Yahuwah say, a sound of fear you will hear. Fear there is, and no And see if a male give birth, and about fear, with which they will hold on to loin and safety. Why have I seen every person and his hands are on his loins? Faces turned, they have become jaundiced. How many of you know what jaundice is? God's giving you an interesting description here. And it's, 
I believe that this is something that's going to be visible, just like it was when the, the a woman was uh, unfaithful and it became evident in her outward appearance that she had become unfaithful. This is another one of those things God is giving us a sign. Because that day is great and there is none like it, it is a limited time for Jacob. And from this, he shall be saved. Not possible, not maybe. He will be saved from what's coming. And it'll be a limited time. On that day, says Yahweh, I will shatter a yoke from off their neck and I will burst their bonds. They shall no more work for foreigners. They shall work for Yahweh their Elohim. I will raise up David as their king for them. Thus did Yahweh say, I raised up a fracture. Your wound was grievous. There is no one to judge your cause. You were doctored into pain. There is no benefit for you. All your friends have forgotten you. They will never inquire. Because I struck you with a blow of an enemy, firm discipline, your sins multiplied relative to all your injustices. Therefore, all who eat you shall be consumed, and all your enemies shall eat all their own flesh. And those who plunder you shall become plunder, and all those who ravage you I will give over to ravaging. So know that any enemy that comes against you they are going to have an enemy come against them. Just like when Babylon came against Judah, what happened? An enemy came against Babylon. This is how it works. And we'll, this was the last slide for Jeremiah 30 as the context. Because I will bring up your healing, and I will cure you from a painful blow, says Yahuwah, because you were called dispersed. Who was dispersed? That's right. She is our prey because there is no one seeking for her. Thus did Yahweh say, Behold, I am bringing back the exile of Jacob, and I will have mercy on his captivity. And a city shall be built upon its mound, and the shrine will sit on its rightful place. We'll get into this word for shrine in a minute. And out of them shall come singers and the sound of merrymakers, skipping along, Rejoicing because they're heading home. I will make them many, and they shall not be made few. Their sons shall go in as formerly, and their testimony shall be rectified before me. I will visit those who oppress them, and his stronger ones shall be over them. His rulers shall come out from his midst, and I will gather them. They shall return to me, because who is this that gave his heart to return to me? Pay attention to that. Who are the ones that gave his heart to return to me? Not just as something as an outward emotion, not something as rote, something that you, you feel like you've got to do. These are the people who have come to him with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their might, because they love him. They want to. They've come back to the Torah. Because a fierce wrath of Yahweh has gone forth, a revolving wrath has gone forth. It will come upon the impious. Wrath of Yahweh's anger shall not turn back until he is executed and until he has accomplished the undertaking of his heart. In the latter days, you will understand this. 
in the latter days, you're going to understand and perceive this. Ooh, I think you guys are getting something. So this is the context of the wrath and the judgment that's coming. Now you're going to hear about the restoration. So let's move to the, re- to the reason all of 30 and 31 must happen. Why it must take place. And by the way, if you have a question or comment, raise your hand, the microphone will make its way to you. This is all based on Genesis 17, 7. He must fulfill his promise that he made to your father Abraham. And he said to him, And I shall establish my covenant between me and you and your seed in Mesa, Arizona. All of those people gathered in Mesa, I've got to fulfill my word to them. In all their generations, for a just until Christ comes. No. Everlasting, forever covenant. To be God, Elohim, to you and your seed after him. So you need to focus in on that. Is to be an Elohim to you and to be an Elohim to your seed. You're going to see that come up here in a minute. And I shall give to you and your seed after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession, I shall be their Elohim. Are there descendants or seed that the promise here has not been fulfilled yet with? Has all of Abraham's seed made it back to the land? No. Hmm. And certainly in the first century, let's say 1 AD, there was a whole group of northern kingdom people who not only had not come back to the land, but were not able to come back into covenant. So now you know why Messiah must come. He says in Matthew 15, 24, but he said, answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Keep that in your mind. Matthew 10, 5. These 12, Yahushua sent out after instructing them, do not go in the way of the Gentiles and do not enter any city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So it's clear that Messiah came to a group of people and he sent the disciples to a group of people. So let's take a look at what our Torah and our New Testament portion has to say about this. Remember, it's all coming back to Genesis 17, 7. By the way, when Yeshua said, I didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets, I came to fulfill, he has to fulfill this promise of Genesis 17, 7 that was made to Abraham's descendants. It's a promise. He's got to fulfill that promise. He's got to bring back the house of Israel to fulfill it. Exodus 34, 27, And Yahuwah said to Moses, Write these words, For according to the mouth of these words, I have made a covenant with you and Israel. See, a promise was made that a covenant is going to be established with Abraham's descendants. A covenant was broken. There was a group of people sent away who was no longer in covenant. This has to be fulfilled, this promise made here at Exodus 24, 34, 27. 2 Corinthians 3.12 is our New Testament portion. Having then such expectations, we use much boldness of speech. 
not like Moshe who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel should not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, but their minds were hardened, their hearts were hardened. For to this day, when the Torah is being read, that same veil remains, not lifted because in Messiah it's taken away. But to this day, when Moshe is being read, a veil lies on their hearts. They're not really interested in their hearts of what God says. They're only wanting to do things as a function. Oh, this is what we do because this is who we are. Verse 16. And when one turns to the master, the veil is taken away. Now Yahweh is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of Yahweh is, there is freedom. Not freedom from God's law, but freedom from that stiff-necked, hardened heart to now be willing to walk in His ways with all of my heart, loving Him all the way, and not being restricted into just, oh, I must do this, and, and, and there's certain things I'm going to do, and I'm, I, I, I don't want to walk in the Spirit of it. No, that's not what it's intended to be. Verse 18. And we as you might have to give me another. We see as in a mirror the esteem of Yahuwah are being transformed into the same likeness from glory to glory as from Yahuwah the Spirit. We're being transformed into the glory, image, into His mercy, into His grace. This will work. Uh, if I need it, I shouldn't need it. Okay. So the veil is two parts. One, not wanting to walk in His ways, and two, not seeing the Messiah. Now there's actually those two veils on two different separate groups of people today. There's a veil of some people that just don't see the Messiah, and there's a veil on some people that just don't see the Torah. Just the way it is. But when we really see what Messiah came to do, and we really let the Spirit do the work, and we say, everything that you say, I don't care what it is, like Abraham said, I want to do what your will is. That's his seed, faith, to want to walk in all that he says. So the rest of our time is going to be spent in Jeremiah 31 in the Greek Septuagint. I want to say this. Remember that the Septuagint was written 2,300 years ago, and it matches what Yeshua and the apostles are quoting from the Tanakh, word, almost word for word. Masoretic text doesn't do that. So this is where we're going to spend our time. Let's, let's learn some amazing things. Israel's future, which is the glorious restoration of Israel. Jeremiah 31, verse 1. At that time, declares Yahuwah, I shall be the Elohim of all the Mishpocha of Israel. And they shall be my people. He said it. Promise, got to be fulfilled, right? Thus said Yahuwah, a people escaped from the sword, found favor in the wilderness. Israel, when it went to find rest, Yahuwah appeared to me from afar, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. You know what that word love is in the Greek? 
a kiss of peace. I have, I have loved you with an everlasting kiss of peace. Oh, man. How many of you want the kiss of peace from the Messiah? Amen? Therefore, I shall draw. The Greek word is helko. The Hebrew word is mashak. I shall draw. It means to impel, to lead you, to raise you up. How many of you feel like you were impelled to start following the Torah from within your inner beings? Just a drawing. He's drawing. Well, that's pro he promised he would draw you. And by drawing, he did. You're here today because you've been drawn. Amen. He's going to do it with chesed, loving kindness. And I'm going to build you again. You shall be rebuilt, O maiden of Israel. Again, you shall take up your tambourines. And you will go forth in the dances of those who rejoice. Big circles. So we find Jeremiah now as a prisoner in the court of the guard. Nebuchadnezzar and his armies are at the gates of Jerusalem for the third time. The city has been under siege for over a year. And already sharp famine has set in. There is no bread in the city at all. And it looks to be only a matter of weeks before the city must give in to the siege of the Babylonian forces. There is no relief in sight, no one on the horizon to help them. The nation is facing perhaps the darkest hour in all its history. It is out of this darkness that the two chapters that we look at today, 30 and 31, arise. I want to remind you of what Hosea 1.10 says. Yet the number of the sons of Israel will be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place where it is said to them, you're not a people, it will be said to them, you are the sons of the living God. I will sow her for myself in the land. I will also have compassion on her who had not obtained compassion. And I will say to those who were not my people, you are my people, and they will say, you are my God. Do you understand the importance of what that just said? It's important that the people that he's redeeming declares with their lips that he is their God because he promised Abraham that and he told us in Exodus chapter 34 that the people were going to declare him as their Elohim and he was going to be their God to them. That must be fulfilled. But before that can happen, a people had to be redeemed from death that had to be brought back into covenant relationship, that had to say, I'm no longer going to walk wayward. I'm not going to serve pagan idols. I'm not going to walk in the ways of the world. I'm not going to do what the Pope tells me. I'm not going to do what man says. I'm going to do what God Almighty tells me to do. A people after his heart. This is where we are today. In verse 10, I've skipped some verses for a reason. We're going to come back to verse 4, verse 5 through 9 a little later, because this is the real juicy part. <laughs> verse 10, hear a word, O Yahuwah. Now we're going to find a little more detail of who this is being mentioned to. O nations and declared in the islands far away, say, he who winnowed Zerah, Scattered, cast away, dispersed, spread to be scattered. And by the way, the term winnowed is a term in various verbal forms to indicate a scattering or a dispersing for reasons of purification 
or chastisement. But I will gather him. The word gather is bring them together in a little assembly in Mesa, Arizona, where they're going to rejoice and they're going to exalt me and they're going to be glad to be in a company of Mishpacha. And I will guard him. Shamar. I will guard him as he who feeds his flock. Wow. And they shall come and be glad on the mountains of Zion. And they shall come. They will, the word come means they shall shine to the good things of Yahuwah. You know, you guys are shining, but what good things are you shining about? You're shining about the word that has come alive in your heart that you are so excited about that you're beaming with. You're shining like Moshe's face because as he was in the presence of the word of God, you have let the word of God come into your being and now you're shining everywhere. And let me tell you, as you shine, those who are not there yet are going to be real uncomfortable in your presence. That's right. They're not going to like it. He's going to bring to a land of grain and wine, fruit and cattle and sheep. Oh boy, sounds like a place we want to go where there's no lack of anything. And their, their soul shall become like a fruitful tree. In other words, you guys are going to be bearing so much fruit and you're not going to hunger anymore. That means famine for you will be obsolete. Comes to an end. This did Yahweh say, a voice of lamentation and weeping and mourning was heard in Ramah. Where's Ramah? Well, just so you know, Ramah is in the territory of Benjamin. Rachel's child, and is almost at the border of Ephraim, another one of her children. Of course, jo uh, Israel took Ephraim and Manasseh as his own children. So a voice weeping and mourning in Ramah. Rachel did not want to stop weeping for her children, her sons, because they are not. Who are the sons? Who are her sons that she's crying over? Is her son Judah? No. Is her son Levi? Is her son Simeon? Who are her sons? Joseph, Benjamin, Manasseh, Ephraim. Those are her sons. Now you could say that Dan and Naphtali are because they were born, they were given to her through but I'm focusing in on those four. She wants her sons to return to this land. She's weeping for them. And he says, she's not going to weep anymore. She's going to see those kids come back. Verse 16. And this is Darash style. So if you have questions or comments, please uh, interject. Thus did Yahweh say, let your voice cease from weeping. Your eyes from tears, because there is a wage for your works, and they shall come back from the land of their enemies. They're going to come back from Arizona. They're going to come back from America. They're going to come back from Australia. They're going to come back from Africa. They're going to come back from Japan. They're going to come back from Russia. There will be permanence, firmness. For your children. Ooh. 
In hearing, I wrote the Greek word down here for you, and so I attached the colors to each word. So in hearing and obedience, they heard and obey. Who? Ephraim, lamenting because he instructed or disciplined him thoroughly. I was not trained like a calf. Bring me back and I shall come back. Shuv and shuv. Because you are Yahuwah my Elohim. Remember they said, he told them in Hosea, you're not going to be my people anymore. They couldn't say that no more. But a time was coming when the Messiah was going to be sent and they were going to be able to call him my Elohim again. Because later than my captivity, I repented. This word captivity is always referring to exile. After my exile, I repented. And later than that, I became aware. Have you guys become aware? I sighed for days of shame, and I yielded to you because I bore the disgrace of my youth. You've all yielded. You've all taken his yoke upon you. You've yielded to his decrees and his, his, his word. You've said, yes, I will do it. I'll remind you of Hosea 1.6. Then she conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. And Yahweh said to him, Name her Lo-Ruamah, for I will no longer have compassion on the house of Israel, that I would ever forgive them, but I will have compassion on the house of Judah. This word compassion is grace and mercy. What was it that Yeshua came to bring? Mercy and grace. That had to come because there wasn't any until Yeshua came to bring the mercy and grace so that your death sentence could be alleviated. Verse 20, Ephraim is my beloved son, a child to delight in. Because why? Why is he delighting in you, O Ephraim? It's because his words are in you. And how does he know his words are in you? Because you're walking in it and bearing the fruit of it. <laughs> the fulfillment of prophecy in heaven is going, finally we're seeing it. Finally we're seeing it being born and walked out in the descendants of Abraham, your faithful servant. Yes, Paul. So how are we able to walk in it? Ezekiel 36, 27. <laughs> And put my spirit within you, and I shall cause you to walk in my laws and to guard my right rulings and shall do them. So Ezekiel 11, 19 and 20, and I shall give them one heart and put a new spirit within them and shall call them to take, cause them to take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh <laughs> so that they may walk in my Torah or my laws and guard my right rulings and shall do them and they shall be my people and I shall be their Elohim. Amen. So what? So when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, evidence of the Spirit. What is it? What is it? What does he say? What does when he say he it puts is? his Spirit Amen. in? Amen. Amen. So I put, I read you Hosea 1.6 about I will not have compassion on them, but I will have compassion on Judah. Verse 20 changes the role here. 
Ephraim is my beloved son, a child to delight in because my words are in him. I will remember him with remembrance. Therefore, I hurried for him. In having mercy, I will have mercy on him, says Yahuwah. He's going to finally have mercy on Ephraim, who he said, I don't have mercy. Yes. Just wondering, are you prepared to talk about Israel's son, Ephraim? No. I wasn't going to do it today. Okay. Um, maybe I should. It'll be brief. So I, I saw something the other day that, um, and I haven't finished studying it out, but uh, Jacob had 12 sons born to him. And when you look at when Jacob's name was changed to Israel, there's two places his name was changed. One when he was wrestling and the other uh, it declares after Benjamin is born, it declares that his name is being changed from Jacob to Israel. When Benjamin, for sure, all the other 11 sons, they're born under the name of Jacob. No doubt about it. But when you look at Benjamin, even though Benjamin, it appears that he could be, be born after the name change. When it says that his name is being given, he says no his name is going to be Benjamin. It doesn't say what Jacob's name is. It just says his father named him Benjamin. So it's not telling us whether it was named under the name Israel or the name of uh, Jacob. My point is, only two sons were given to the changed man. Israel, the changed man, the new name, only had two sons. That's Ephraim and Manasseh when he crossed his hands. And he tells Yosef, I'm taking your sons as my sons, Israel. I wondered, was he saying, I, Israel, under the new name, the changed man, I have no sons. And I'm going to take your two sons as my sons, the, the, the new man, Israel, who has that changed heart and character, taking them as my own. And that's why you're going to see here why Ephraim has such a prominence and such a, well, you'll see. I don't want to get into it. But, and I have more to study on it, but for sure, he, Israel takes those two sons as his own. And they are his. Let's go to the next passage. Verse 21. Set up for yourself signposts. Make Tenrorim. Tenrorim means a rendering help, an assistance. Give your heart to the shoulders. Return by the road that you went, O virgin Israel. Which road did they go out of Israel? What direction? The north. Assyria is north. They took them out northward. Return to your cities in mourning. Oh, it's going to get good now. Hold on. How long will you turn away, O dishonored daughter? Because Yahweh has created salvation for a new planting in which people will go about in safety. The salvation of your Messiah has brought you safety. Thus did Yahweh say, once more they shall speak this word in the land of Judea and in his cities when I bring back his captivity. Blessed be Yahuwah on his righteous holy mountain. And there shall be a people dwelling in the cities of Judea and in all his land, together with the farmer 
and he shall be raised up with a flock. Therefore, behold, days are coming, says Yahuwah, and I will sow Israel and Judah with the seed of a human and the seed of an animal. That troubled me, so I wanted to research out animal, and here's what it is. The word behemoth in apocalyptic material, beasts become a symbol for bad nations. Though other term is used there. So think of this in this idea of sow with the seed of bad nations. Did he sow the northern kingdom with the seed of bad nations? He sure did. And they continued to go out whoring with those nations and, and dishonoring his name. Yes. I concur with that assessment because if you go back to Genesis, again, going back to the first mention, man was created on the sixth day, but also beast. And so if you go from Genesis all the way to Revelation, we have an opportunity to act in the image of Elohim. Amen. Or we could be like the beast. Amen. Because Amen. they Let, both carry the number six. Yes, indeed. Yep. Are we going to ride the beast or are we going to conquer the beast? Verse 29. In those days they shall not say, the fathers have eaten unripe grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. But each shall die for his own sins, and the teeth of him who eats unripe grapes shall be set on edge. Verse 31. You all know verse 31. Behold, days are coming, says Yahweh, I will make a renewed covenant. Now how do I know it's renewed? Because the word chadashah can, uh, is used for the same word that says I will give them a new heart. Well, you know for sure that he's not going to cut your heart out and put a new heart pumping in your chest. That word for new heart is the same word, chadasha, which means renewed, restored and renewed. So it's a renewed covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, the northern and southern kingdoms. It will not be like the covenant that I made with the fathers in the day when I took them by their hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt because they did not abide, parar, they did not continue. They invalidated it. They destroyed it. The Greek word says to remain in, to remain in place, to persevere in, in the state of mind, to hold fast, to be true to, be faithful to. They did not abide in my covenant. It wasn't something that was on their heart. And I was unconcerned for them, says Yahuwah. I want you to remember Acts, since it talks about Acts 14.22, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue, abide in the faith, saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of Elohim. Verse 33, we're getting close to the good stuff. Because this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. I find it interesting that the house of Judah is left out here. After those days, says Yahuwah, giving, I will give my Torah in their mind, and I will write them on their hearts. Now here's the key part I showed you earlier, and I'm emphasizing again the promise to Abraham in Genesis 17, 7. I will become an Elohim to them. Remember what he said in yellow? To be Elohim to you, 
and your seed. And in black at the end, bold, and I shall be their Elohim. It's important that the change of not being our God has changed to him being our Elohim now. That's very important. So he says, and they shall become a people to me. They shall not teach each his fellow citizen and each his brother, saying, Know Yahweh, because they shall all know me, from the small even to the great, because I will be gracious, merciful regarding their injustices, and remember their sin, their punishment no more. Verse 36. If these Torah, if this Torah ceases from before me, says Yahweh, then also the race of Israel will cease to be a nation before me all the days. Verse 37, if the sky be elevated to midair, says Yahuwah, and if the floor of the earth below be brought low, even then I will not reject the race of Israel, says Yahuwah, because of all they have done. Yes. Yes. Um, is it possible that this is like a future event? Um, as far as, because there's millions, if not billions of Christians who do not observe the true Sabbath, who do not follow the, um, the feast. So it's not written on your heart as of yet. I would say it has begun, but has by no means come to an end yet. So I would say we're living testimony of the, that it has begun. And there's more to go. And how, what speed he does it is up to him. But there's something coming up in Jeremiah 31 here that is very... How many have always wondered, when is the timing? When does all this take place? When does the gathering start? Well, it's going to tell you in the Greek here. And we're going to get to that here in a second. The real exciting part. 38. Uh, actually, it's not 38, 38. It's 31, 38. Behold, days are coming, says Yahweh, and a city shall be built. For Yahweh, from the tower of Hanael to the gate of the corner, and its measuring shall go out before them to the hills of Gareb, and it shall be encompassed all around with a circle of choice stones. Emphasis, circle of stones. And all Hasmarot, as far as Nachal Kedron, the valley of Kidron, to the corner of the gate of horses in the east, a holy precinct. What is a holy precinct? The Greek word is hagiasma, which means a sanctuary. Now there are people who say, I can't find in all the scripture that the sanctuary, the temple is ever going to be built again. Oh, but the Greek's telling you it is. The Greek's telling you right here, this sanctuary is going to be built again. And there's going to be a circle of stones somehow connected with it. <laughs> and it shall never again fail and shall never ever be destroyed. Because it was destroyed two other times before. So let's remind ourselves what Hosea said about Ephraim, shall we? How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I surrender you, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? 
My heart is turned over within me. All of my grace is kindled. I will sow her for myself in the land. In other words, he's going to take you from the land and himself, he's going to sow you back into the northern kingdom. I will have compassion on her who had not obtained compassion. And I will say to those who are not my people, you are my people, and they will say, you are, here we go again, they will say, you are my God, fulfilling what he promised to Abraham in Genesis 17, 7. You wonder why Yeshua said, I didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets, I came to fulfill this stuff, it's got to happen. You've got to say, you are my God again, but I've got to break the curse, I've got to get rid of death, you've got a sentence against you, and it's got to be rectified, and it only can be done by his blood. So we're going to backtrack to Jeremiah 31.5. We're going to get into the juicy stuff. Now before we go there, I mentioned to, on Tuesday, to Donnie and Lisa, something that I had discovered, and they shared something with me very interesting today. So I was anxious to find out, because I know when you, when you get a little, little nugget, you want to go searching. I know you do. You want to go searching. So I was thinking, I wonder if they went searching to find out what was I told them, but what they shared with me today was, and I'm glad I shared it with them on Tuesday, but they said that, was it yesterday you were watching this video from uh, the, the, the parable of the vineyard? And he's declaring the same thing we're going to learn today, bringing out the same thing in the Greek, what Jeremiah 31 is saying. So here we have another brother. The Spirit's moved upon him to share with his community, all that's watching. I'm being moved to do it. And it's what Elohim wants done for this time and this season for a reason. So here we go. Are you ready? Yes. Again, you will plant vineyards where? That can't be Judah because Samaria is not their homeland. That can only be Ephraim. You will again plant vineyards on the hills of Samaria. The planters will plant and will enjoy them. For there will be a day when watchmen on the hills of Ephraim will call out, Arise, let us go up to Zion, to Yahweh our... They've got to say our God because they were not able to say that once before. Ooh, man. Verse 7. Yahweh saved his people. Now if you were to put Yod Vave saved together in one word, it's actually Yahushua. Because Yahushua is part Yod Vave and saved. As a matter of fact, he told Mary, You're going to name him this name because he will save his people. This is being fulfilled through the blood of the Lamb. The salvation's got to come in order for the rest to happen. Yes, Alex. So Messiah said, I came only for the lost sheep of Israel, which would mean Ephraim, but his people, he was from the line of Judah. Why didn't he include Judah in that statement, I came only for the lost sheep of Israel? Because Israel, the house of Israel, had the death sentence. They were divorced. They were cut off and separated. It had to be rectified. It had to be rectified through the one who issued the decree. He had to die. So, just reminding you about house of Israel, my question is, 
There's a regathering theme going on here, regathering the people, regathering. I'm going to gather you from the nations. Would you like to know when that's going to take place? You know, people search scriptures and say, there is, there is nowhere it tells us, you know, some say it's going to be tabernacles, some say it's going to be this feast, this feast. But in the Greek, it tells us exactly what feast it's going to start on. Do you want to see it? <laughs> Behold, I am bringing them from the north, the way they went out. And I will gather them from the farthest part of the earth at the feast of Pesach. Now, how do I know it's Pesach? Because the Greek word says it is the Hebrew, or it is the Greek for the Hebrew Passover. It actually says in the lexicon, this is confirmed by the consistent transcription of the Hebrew Pesach by the word Fasek, which is the Greek word for Passover. Ooh-wee! Man! Now, imagine this. He brought them out of Egypt at what feast? It's when he gathered them. Passover, and he's going to gather them at Passover again. Because we know there's going to be a greater exodus. Why would we think it wouldn't be Passover? And the Greek confirming that God doesn't change this massive Passover exodus is going to happen again. Man, how awesome is that? Glory be to the Most High. You guys are quiet. You must be wanting to soak it up. (laughs) So as our brother over here shared the different levels of understanding, I look, when we were talking about this, I've, I've shared with you that could it possibly be that the gathering begins in our heart when we begin to see the relevance of keeping Pesach, which leads to the first of the feast and the gathering begins as we begin to declare, you are my God, I am your people, your ways are my ways, and the gathering begins when we begin to acknowledge that. Yes, and I will add another layer to that, that the gathering, meaning the, the, the reversal of the death sentence, began at Passover when Yeshua died. When he died, the gathering, the reversing, is commencing. But again, multiple layers of it means it doesn't mean that the, the, the physical gathering won't begin at Passover again. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a revelation. What an awesome, beautiful thing. What a glorious thing that we see that our God doesn't change. We can trust Him. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word will walk out and be performed as He decreed it. And we can trust that. <laughs> With weeping they went out, but with consolation they're going to be brought back in with encouragement, making them lodge by canals of waters in a straight road, and they shall not wander in it, because I became a father to Israel. And who's his firstborn? That would be you people. His Ephraim is my firstborn. Let me ask you a question. The changed man Israel, the man whose name was changed from Jacob to Israel, who's his firstborn son? He has a Jacob has a firstborn son. He has a couple of them. But does Israel have a firstborn son? He does. It's Ephraim. When he crossed that hand over, that changed man has a firstborn son. 
And just as Israel is a changed man in his heart, now walking differently than he did before, you're the evidence of being his firstborn of the changed hearts that you all have, walking in God's ways. Talk about redemption that starts, as Polly said, in the hearts, but the, the physical is coming. The physical is coming. All we, we got to do is wait, continue in his presence. Amen? You are his firstborn. Will you stand with me? His planting, the work of his hand in your heart. Hallelujah. This is you. This scene is coming again. You're going to see it. It's going to happen. It's promised right here in Jeremiah. A gathering. It's all starting at Pesach. What a scene that's going to be. I, I just, I mean, all week, I just, I'm like, I'm antsy. Man, let's, I, I'm ready to go. Like that song we sang, I, I want to go home. Guard me, protect me on the way. As a matter of fact, he used the word shamar in our passage. Guard, protect on the way. He has promised, O Ephraim, O Israel, that he's going to bring you back. He made a promise. He promised it to Abraham. He declared it in Exodus 34 of our portion. And he's saying it in Jeremiah. I'm going to bring you back, O Israel. Hallelujah. Chapters 30 and 31 show that Jeremiah spoke of hope and consolation as well as trouble and gloom. The people would one day be restored to the land and God would make a renewed covenant with them to replace the one that they broke. Whereas once they sinned and disobeyed, eventually, in Mesa, Arizona, they would repent and obey, and they would follow his ways. Father, we thank you so much for the word that you showed us in Jeremiah of your faithfulness, that you showed us not only how it's going to take place, but when it's going to take place. You are showing us of your redemption, your restoration. You're going to bring the sons of Israel back. You're going to restore the seed of Abraham. They're going to come back to the land that you promised Abraham, your faithful servant. And you are the one that's going to do it. You will plant them by your own hand. It'll be a sowing by you, and you will make it happen. We praise you and glorify you for your promise, and we stand and hope in what you've said. Thank you for your redemption plan and thank you for the blood of the Lamb that gave us the right to return. We have a right of return. It's through the blood of the Lamb. We praise you and magnify you in your Son, Yahushua's name. Amen. Before we say Shabbat Shalom, remember, you have the right today to call him your God because of your Messiah, Yahushua. Amen. Amen. And now we get to say Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Thank all those that are watching online. Don't forget to say hello to our visitors. We're so glad they're here today. And uh, have a blessed rest of your Shabbat. Shabbat Shalom.
and our other visitors.